So happy Easter, and uh, what a wonderful day, amen? Uh, I got my fill this morning, and I still got Easter dinner to come, or Easter, uh, Easter dinner to come, and so it is a great day. And so I just wanted to give my personal thanks to all the men who made dinner this morning, or made breakfast this morning, so thank you again. And while I'm on thank yous, uh, I wanted to uh, publicly thank Pastor Darren and JR and all Good Friday service, and uh, we had a great Good Friday service, to, so thank you to them. Am I cutting in and out here? I can't tell. I can never tell when I'm up here. Um, am I okay? All right. Uh, and then also... Let me uh, thank Now and Amy and all of those that worked with the children, and that was wonderful. So today is really a special day with joy and celebration as we think about the uh, salvation that God has brought to us. Let us take a moment now and pray and just thank God and commit our, and commit our sermon to Him. Father God, we thank you for today, and we just want to pause and fix our hearts and our minds on you. And God, with everything going on today, we really want our focus to be on your love and your salvation. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth for the express on the cross and being raised back to life so that we could have our sins forgiven and have a relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that now as we turn to your word, I pray that you seize truths upon our hearts that we might be able to walk away from this place just really rejoicing all that you have done for us. And so I commit this service to you, this sermon to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you imagine what people were thinking when they first heard that news? I I liked what Matthew and Joshua did here when they played Peter and John and just even how the disciples may have had a hard time grasping what was happening at first. That first Easter morning, news was starting to spread. Incredible news. News almost seemed, could this possibly be true? There were some women and then some disciples that had seen the empty tomb and even seen a... a They had the inside scoop. And they even wrestled with, is this possible? Is this true? But what about the other believers? Now, there were hundreds of others, thousands even, who had heard Jesus teach and seen him perform miracles. And they had come to and loved him, and they had seen him crucified on a cross, but they didn't necessarily have the track. And they were hearing this incredible news. Could it possibly be true? Probably have been true. Imagine the conversations, and I imagine the thoughts in their minds. In fact, we're told about two of these individuals in Luke chapter 24. 
Two men who had been in Jerusalem, who had seen Jesus crucified, and now they were headed home to their home of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they're on their way, they begin to talk. Quickly goes to the things that they have seen in the in the past few days. And one of them says something to the effect, do you think it's possible? Really have risen from the dead? And the other friend says, you know what is it? I heard him speak. He spoke. I thought it was the very words of God coming from his mouth. And it's as crazy as it sound that it might be true. I thought this. I'm sure he was the God. Rest and Messiah. The exact same thing. And the two of them are walking along the road. Do I need to switch here? Okay. Believe me, I hand help this morning, all right? So it's good. Okay, thank you. Okay, how's that? Ooh. Wake. There we go. And so here are these two men walking along the road on the way back to Emmaus. Been in this situation before. You've heard the conversations, and you can't but just be intrigued. Once in a while, I be so interested in a conversation with two strangers, I'll have the guts to join in. And that's exactly what happens here. These two men are walking along the way, and a third guy comes, along this, on, uh, comes alongside of them, and he hears what is being said. And so just nonchalantly, he asks, what are you guys He knows full well what he's about. But, he's, but they say, we're discussing all the stuff that has been happening in Jerusalem these last several days. It's to them at the time. Uh, he's, they, he says to them, what stuff? Are you serious? I haven't heard about this Jesus of Nazareth and how he was crucified. We had both that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Yeah, and what's more is some of his followers say that now he is alive. You got any thoughts on this? Does this guy ever have any thoughts on this? We get the, we get the inside story. They didn't know this at the time. But the Bible tells us that this is the risen Lord Jesus himself. And so he begins to go, the ma- the, at, as the master teacher that he is, he begins to explain all the Old Testament and the teachings, prophecies. He explained to them how the Messiah must suffer, be crucified, 
All these things were done for God's glory and for the salvation of his people. And men heard. They were fascinated. The best uh, explanation of the Bible that they had ever heard. And finally, they arrive where they're going to stop for the night. And they are so enraptured by this, what this guy has to say that he says, that they say, come on, eat with us. We haven't had enough yet. And they invite him in, and they continue the conversation. And and it's a cup, and with food in hand, begins to bless the meal. And as he does, the scriptures say their eyes were opened. Let me go now directly from the Bible, Luke twenty-four verses thirty through thirty-five. And he was at table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were open. They recognized from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at There they found the eleven. Now the reason it's not twelve is because we know that Judas had gone off to commit suicide. And so they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen has appeared to Simon. Then the them told them on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. The two men were planning on stopping for the day. This was their rest. They were going to eat and then turn in. Week, long weekend. They had been in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. All of these things that had happened, but now all of a sudden, everything changed. When they realized Jesus, they got their second wind. Late that night, till morning, that night they went back to Jerusalem to find the disciples. And verse thirty-one is a great verse. It says that. Part of the verse with uh, together. Let's read this together. Verse one. Then eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened, not their physical eyes. Obviously, we know what it's talking about here. It's talking about the eyes of their minds and of their hearts. Their eyes had been on the road the whole time. They had seen Jesus. It's not that he was invisible to them, but now they recognized him. Now all of a sudden they had spiritual eyes to see what was really taking place. They had a spiritual awakening, so to speak. I think there's a parallel here between the spiritual and the physical. Okay, hang with me here a second. This is, this is crucial. In a sense, what I think we see here in this Two resurrections. You see, the first resurrection is a physical resurrection. And that is Jesus' bodily resurrection from the dead. This is not, the physical resurrection is not metaphorical. It's um, some sort of spiritual resurrection. He actually rose from the dead. But there is a second kind of resurrection here. 
And that is the resurrection that happens to the two men. It is a spiritual resurrection. The two men awakens. Just as Jesus' eyes were once closed in the tomb, and then they were opened and he was alive, so the spiritual eyes of their hearts were once closed, and then all of a sudden they were opened so that they could see and recognize Jesus. Eyes of their heart were opened. See, this is so crucial because this is the whole point of Easter. Two resurrections. We kind of celebrate the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. The whole point that Jesus died and was ro- uh, rose again is so that we might be raised again. So that we who are dead in our sins might be experience that spiritual resurrection where our eyes might be opened and we might see Jesus really is. The two go hand in hand. The whole point of the physical resurrection is spiritual resurrection. And the spiritual resurrection is not possible without the physical resurrection. And so the gather to celebrate, to remember and celebrate the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But we want to go beyond that. And we also want to recognize and hopefully even celebrate the spiritual resurrection that can take place in the heart today. And so I want to make four points from our passage today, four points about being spiritually alive. The first point I make is this. Cult to Jesus. Am I still cutting in and out? Uh, no, I am. I'm getting yeses and nos. Okay. I am moving then. All right. Can I, can I get a handheld at least? And... Uh, Thank you. Thank you. All right, how's that? Third tries a charm. Let's hope let's No. Point number 1 about being spiritually alive. We recognize that it is difficult to see Jesus. The men in this passage have a difficult difficulty recognizing Jesus for who he is. They walked with him. They talked with him. But for the longest time, they could not recognize him. And then verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Surely that took a while. All of the scriptures... My guess is they had walked with him for a couple hours. And they had difficulty seeing Jesus. And there's a parallel for our lives today as well, isn't there? There are so many people in our world today that have difficulty seeing and recognizing Jesus for who he is. There are so many people in our world today that we go about our lives and we have no understanding of who Jesus is 
and the life that he wants to offer to us. And I wonder, why is that? I think one of the reasons people may have a hard time finding Jesus is that they do not want to find him. There are many people in our world today that have grown very accustomed to living the way they live, and they recognize, rightfully so, that if they were to receive Jesus, it would change the way they live their lives. And they recognize that if they were to give their lives to Jesus, that they would have to get rid of the things that, in a sense, they love about themselves. And we look at it and we think, are you sure that's worth it? Things of greed and of pride and of anger and lust. And maybe it's not so much that they love those things, but they have grown accustomed to them. And they can't imagine living without them. Their lives are wrapped around these type of things. And so they don't want to find Jesus. Another reason people may not see Jesus today is they don't know where to look for him. And I've had many conversations with people that say, how is it that you know what, uh, know what the truth is and this religion teaches this or this church teaches this? And they just grow confused and frustrated and give up because they don't know where to look for him. And I think the best place to start is to go to God's Word. That's what we at West Covina Christian Church want to do. We want to go back and make sure this is our foundation. This is 2,000 years old, and it can be trusted. And so when we gather together, we are going to look, and I'm going to preach from this Word, and Darren's going to preach and teach from this Word the best that we can. And you take it home and you study it yourself and make sure because God's Word can be trusted. But so often we uh, people don't know where to look. This is where we look. And so maybe you are here this morning and you are on that fence. You're like, I don't know. I want to see Jesus, but how do I know who He really is? Here's my challenge. Take up this book. In fact, you got one of these in the pew before you. Take it home if you don't have a Bible. And for the next month, here's an experiment. For the next month, take time and read through the Gospel of Luke. That's where we're at this morning. Story and life of Jesus. And lead through uh, Luke, one chapter a day. And at the end of each month, and at the end of the month, see if God has not begun to work in your heart. Come before him with an open mind, praying every day, God, if you are real, please just show yourself to me and help me to believe in you. Very simple prayer, just an openness. If God's not real, what's the harm in doing it? A month, you're done. But if God, is, God, if you are real, please show yourself to me and help me believe in you and read God's word. You see, many people don't find Jesus because they don't know where to look for him. And a third reason many people do not see Jesus today is because they don't, they don't know that they should be looking for him. Any of you seen the uh, movie Forrest Gump? I'm sure many of you have seen that, this movie. It's kind of an old movie. It's a fun movie. There's a clip here I'll show real quick. Have you found Jesus yet? No. 
I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, so. <laughs> so there's Forrest. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. And that's where many people are at today. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. And Jesus, the, the promise of the Bible is that when we seek him, he can be found. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, Forrest Gump in the movie, Lieutenant Dan here, actually goes on to become a Christian. Do you remember the movie? It's during a, a storm on, at the sea, and they're on a shrimping boat, and Lieutenant Dan is out there, and he's yelling to God, God, come on, is that the best you got? Come on, strike me down if you're a uh, God. And somehow in the midst of that crazy prayer, he opens himself to God, and at the end we see Lieutenant Dan with a peace and a joy and a love that he never had throughout the movie. And I know that's Hollywood, but I actually know that there is some truth to that. There are so many people, myself included, that have come to find a joy and a peace and a love in Jesus that we could have never imagined otherwise. I don't know. Uh, there are many who say, I don't even know I'm supposed to be looking for him. Here's my challenge. Look for him. It's the best life possible. It's a life that when we seek all of these other things, what we're really looking for is joy. What we're really looking for is peace and love. And it's actually only found in Jesus. You see, the first principle of being spiritually alive is we recognize that it is difficult to find Jesus, but we're given the promise that if we seek him, we will find him. And that points us to the second point. Prayer is extremely important for being spiritually alive. These two, men, these two men's eyes are open when Jesus prays before the meal. And I found that to be true in my life and in so many lives that our eyes begin to be opened when we're in prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God, a conversation where we talk to God and God talks to us. And it can be done anywhere at any time. You can talk to God while you're driving in the car. You can talk to God while you're riding on the train, while you're at work. You can talk to God before your math tests. And I know that's because I had a lot of prayers like that. And I don't know if they worked, but I prayed. You can talk to God anywhere. But there is something special about focused time of prayer where we fix our hearts and our minds. We're not doing anything else, and we speak to God. One of my favorite verses on prayer is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This has been one of those weeks where, if I'm going to be a little bit uh, vulnerable with you, I've had some highs and some lows. And there's been some trials this week. And it wasn't until I was able to uh, sit down and quiet my heart and spend time in prayer that I had the peace of God. 
And so this is an encouragement for us today that there is something extremely important in prayer, that it is through prayer that we are made spiritually alive, that God begins to work in our hearts. The third principle I want to point out about being spiritually alive in this passage is a sign of being spiritually alive, and that is our hearts will burn within us. See, I get that here in verse 32. The two men on the road, after they had recognized Jesus, they reflect back and they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? Don't you love that picture? Did not our hearts burn within us? In other words, weren't we getting excited as he explained those things? We just wanted to almost shout amen to the words that he was saying. And I think that that is what happens when our love for God begins to grow within us. We could say our hearts begin to burn within us. We have a joy, an excitement, a passion for God. Now, it is not the emotions that we seek. We seek God's truth, but these emotions are stirred up within this. As I said, they are a sign that we are spiritually alive. At home, I love to barbecue. And I, my, uh, my barbecue is very simple, just this uh, metal bin, so to speak, and I pour charcoal in it. I don't got a fancy gas barbecue or anything, and so I put my charcoal in it, and I learned a long time ago that what do you got to do to get the fire going? You got to fan the flame, right? And so what I do is rather than sit there and wear my arm out, I put an extension cord to the garage, and I plug in a box fan, and uh, I just sit there with that box fan on the charcoal, and sure enough, It like speeds it up in no time flat. My fire is going strong. And I think, what are the box fans that we can use in our own lives? God's Word is a box fan. You take this Word and you sink it in deep into our souls and our hearts begin to burn within us. Worship is a box fan. We come together and we sing God's praises and our hearts are stirred up uh, within us. Strong Christian friends are a box fan. They stir within our hearts a love for Him. Serving the Lord has something to do with, with helping us grow in our love and our passion for God. You notice these banners here. This is the first week these banners are up, and they're not going to hang here forever, but these are up here for the next sermon series, and Pastor Darren already mentioned this. We're going to start a new sermon series next week, but what I want to emphasize in these banners is each of these circles are ways that we fan the flame of our love for God. When you come and we uh, Sunday morning and we have praise and preaching and prayer together, this is a way that we are stirring that flame, that we are fanning the flame. Strong Christian friends. That's why we have growth groups and home Bible study groups. We need people in our lives that are helping us, hold us accountable and encouraging us. And then we want to emphasize in this sermon series that even serving the Lord is a way that we grow in our love for Him. And so... This will be an emphasis. I encourage you, come back next week. At church, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but at church sometimes we say we have CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. And my encouragement is, don't be a CEO. Be back here next week. And it's going to be a great time together. And we're going to pass out some books. In fact, I want to encourage you on your way home today, grab one of these books and just look it over. And... uh 
consider if you might be in a growth group that's going to study these things together and to hear the sermons because we want to fan that flame. As I said, it is the joy and the peace of God that comes into our hearts that can only be given through a relationship with Jesus. And so that brings me to our fourth and final point. And that is that everyone must personally receive Jesus. You see, there's an there's a individual nature to this story that I love. I love the picture of walking on the road with Jesus and just having a conversation with Him. I love the idea that, that their hearts were open and they expressed how excited they were towards God, that their hearts burned within them. And I just want to emphasize today that Easter has a personal aspect to it. That Jesus died on the cross, not just for the sins of the world, that's true, but I want to drive home the point that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that if you believe in Him and surrender your life to Him, He will come in to your life, no matter where you are at. You may think, I am so far from God, I just want to be a CEO. And you know what? I just want to have you wrestle with the idea that life in Christ can be so great, but it's received as a gift from God. It's a free gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A gift means that we cannot earn it, right? You, don't, you earn a paycheck. You don't earn a gift. A gift is given out of the generosity of someone who cares about you and loves you. And so when we think of the gift of God's salvation, it is out of His love that we cannot earn it. Okay, I want to bring to the forefront here. I looked this week for one of those balance scales. You know those old scales that you put uh, weight on one side and then I could not find one. So I decided to build one. And I figured if I'm going to build it, I'm going to go big. So... This is our balance scale. And the reason I bring this up is because I think this is how a lot of people think of Christianity and religion. I think a lot of people think, oh, at the end of the day, I'm going to get into heaven because hopefully my good outweighs my bad. And so we think, yeah, sure, I know I've messed up. I know I've done some things that I shouldn't have done. There's been some actions and some words and some attitudes that I've had that are, are not what they should be. And, I, and we readily admit that, but with, then we think, yeah, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm really a pretty good person. And uh, most of the time I speak nicely. And we recognize that hopefully it's balancing out and at the end of the day, we just hope that this side goes down, right? It's not, that, not the way that many people think of their relationship with God. I just hope God accepts me because I hope the good 
outweighs the bad. Or maybe we think of it in another way. Maybe it is that this is our life and it's a good life. And there are others and surely these other people, you know, they're not going to measure up. And uh, I just had a, I just overheard, you know, speaking of overhearing a conversation, I overheard a conversation this week and I was talking to, uh, uh, I was taking my son to school and I heard one line of this conversation, one line, I knew exactly what it was about. One woman was talking to her friend and she said, yeah, but I just don't think I'm as bad as most other people. I knew exactly what she was talking about. She says, surely God's going to let at least some people in heaven and I've got it in the top tier. And that's how genuinely, that's how oftentimes we think. You know, I'm not really that bad. Surely God will accept me. But the reality is, this whole balance scale is not how God looks at it. In fact, it is not our good deeds that compare to our bad deeds or our lives compared to our nasty neighbor or the crazy Uncle Larry that we'll see later today or whoever. It's not a comparison game like that. If anything, it's our lives measured against the holiness and righteousness of God. And if that is the case then no one has an argument. We will all be found wanting. That if the holiness and righteousness of God is where our lives are, uh, are compared against, then we are, in a sense, in deep trouble. A sobering verse, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now let me just speed us up and bring us to the good news of Easter. You see, now we have to understand what the cross is all about because the cross has some sort of uh, application here. 2 Corinthians 5.21 succinctly puts it, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, what happens on the cross... Jesus, who was perfect, he had no rocks in the bucket. There was no sin in his life. His life was perfect. And so let me take these things out. And this is our life over there. And as he goes to the cross, what happens is he takes all of our sins and they're transferred. And his life, a perfect, sinless life, he takes upon the sin of the world. And what I want to emphasize is he takes upon his body, your sin and my sin, actual sins that we've committed things that we have said that we should not have said, attitudes that we've had that we should not have had, actions that we have done that we should not have done. And all of those things are placed on Him 
so that his life is weighted down. And you can sense the agony as he hangs on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is not that God has forsaken him. It is that God has turned his eyes away from him, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he carried all that on his shoulders. Imagine the guilt and the shame that you have sensed. Feel that times a million times. And that is what was on Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the physical suffering, though that was surely painful. It wasn't the emotional, though he had the agony of, the, of all of his friends betray him. It was the sin of the world that weighed upon him. And then what happens is he takes upon his self our sin and his righteousness and his holiness is given to us. So that as we stand before God, if we confess our sins and he forgives our sins, he no longer sees us in all of this ugliness, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. Not because we've earned it or done anything that we deserve it. It is a free gift from God. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is to cry out to God and to ask Him to come into our lives. A couple of verses earlier, verses 9 and 10 in Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it, is with your mouth that, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so that's what I want to give us an opportunity for, to do this morning. Maybe you are here this morning and you recognize, even for the first time today, yeah, if my life is compared to the holiness and righteousness and perfection of God, then I am found wanting. And the free gift of salvation is offered to us. And if we cry out to Him, Christ's righteousness and holiness is placed upon us. Let's bow our heads and our eyes. I'm just going to give us a sample prayer here. And I'll admit at the forefront, there's nothing magical about the words per se. It is the belief behind the words that is birthed in your heart. And so if you are here this morning and you say, I want to become a Christian today, that I recognize that my life has fallen short, I'm going to just invite you to repeat after me and to say this prayer to the Lord Jesus himself. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer this morning, I just invite you to tell someone before you leave the church today. Come and just mention it to me or to Pastor Darren or to maybe to someone that you even came with this morning. And we'd love just to pray for you and to continue to try to encourage you and support you. But more than anything, we want you to experience the new life in Christ, the love and joy and peace that can only be found in relationship with Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Father God, I just uh, thank you for today. I thank you for the salvation that you have provided through your son, Jesus. And God, even as we uh, gather for these last couple songs, I just pray that you would stir within our hearts once again just our love for you, that we could uh, live for you fully because we know that only in you is real life found. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.